Master Tavern Keepers, History of the Old World. Beviamo alla nostra. Ah, this uh, triple X tastes like nectar after that arak. Anyway, where were we? Ah, yes, of course. We just finished our discussion of the ancient Neakaran city of Marak by talking about their warrior priest caste, Hursani. And Cedric, you said you wanted to hear about uh, one of our contemporary holy fighting orders. And uh, I suggested the Knights of the Blazing Sun. Ah, yes. So you did, Heinrich. Oh, most noble knight. Oh, well, go on. What are these then? I'm guessing they're devotees of your empire's god king. Ah, no, they are not. I shall come to their patron later. But before that, in order to set the scene, we should talk about the Great Crusades. For without these, many of the knightly orders of the Empire, including the Knights of the Blazing Sun, would not exist. And if we are to discuss the Great Crusades, then we should really begin by introducing the sorcerer Jafar of Arabi. Oh, yeah, please. Back in the Empire, what little was told to us everyday folk about him made him out to be more like some ridiculous caricature a moustache-twirling villain from a distant land without nuance or subtlety, rather than um, a real historical figure. I would certainly like to scratch underneath this veneer and hear about the man behind the miss. Och, and same for me. When I travelled around Astalia, his name was the worst kind of curse you could utter, as well as a name used to scare the children into going to bed at night. But truly, I have no real idea what he was. Well, in that case, I will do my best to oblige, but knowledge is scant. He was originally the lord of one of the small cities hidden away in the great desert. Which one, though, we do not know, as all trace of it and all records pertaining to it were erased from the land by the Crusaders. Anyway, Jafar apparently was not content with his small holdings, and his ambitions saw him both... Uh, using his well-developed skills of persuasion and unnatural charisma to unite many of the various nomadic tribes in the region under his leadership. Oh, and uh, where did he find these tribes then? Why, in the deep deserts, of course. Some occupy a specific territory, whilst others travel the land. But uh, all are characterised by their nomadic lifestyle, moving from place to place. They're always everywhere and yet nowhere. You can obviously find a majority of them within the borders of Araby, but they also live beyond those, penetrating as far as the land of the border princes and even the empire itself. Although, that said, one place you won't find them is in the land of the dead. Oh, yeah, yeah, but of course. Who would willingly go there? Few. 
apart from the likes of uh, Abdul Ben Rashid and uh, perhaps the most foolhardy of old world treasure hunters. Although, that said, some nomadic tribes have occasionally wandered into old Nehekara, but uh, only by mistake, and usually because they have become lost in, uh, in a sandstorm. Once they've realised their mistake, they'll not linger and soon leave the dreaded land of the dead, for they know what lies there. Through their traditional songs and tales, they're all too aware of the fall of the Tomb Kings of the East and the curse of Nagash. For the same reason, the nomads will also not venture too close to the ancient metropolises of the Tomb Kings that lay close to the lands of Araby. Oh, but uh, with one exception, though. There is uh, always an exception. Do you recall us speaking of the Scythians? Ah, the tribe that came to the city of Numas, believing that his prince, Tutankhamun, was an incarnation of their god, and now serve as his living servants. Ah, indeed, the very same senior apprentice Steiner. Thank you. This is unique, though. The only other time you'll see an Arabian near a necropolis is when a young sheik, eager to prove his worth and uh, make a name for himself, enters one of the ancient cities to uh, unearth its untold treasures. Needless to say, most of these reckless individuals and their followers are neither seen nor heard of again. Anyway, back to Araby itself. Every part of the country that is not one of the great mercantile city-states is under the control of one of the desert tribes. These travel the empty lands between the city centres all the way from the great ocean to the great desert, herding their livestock with them, be it goats, camels or whatever, from atop their desert horses, only interrupting this to occasionally visit the cities. When they do, they arrive in uh, large caravans to trade with the wily merchants therein for items that they themselves cannot produce. These trips are uh, seldom extended affairs though, and they soon return to the trackless dunes of the desert and the animal skin tents of their father's fathers, in the same type of robes and scarves as did their ancestors in the times before the rise of Setra. They have been this way forever, and likely always will. Ah, uh, at least until the end times take us all. Anyway, as a direct result of this harsh lifestyle, they are easily the toughest of the Arabian peoples, and not ones to mess with. Now, there are probably hundreds of different tribes each unique, each set against one and all, but not without some commonality. And something that does very much extend to them all is a fastidious universal code of honour. It is a knot that bonds them together, but also binds them into bitter rivalries that oft result in generation-spanning blood feuds over what we old worlders would see as but uh, the slightest of things. A common source of conflict is stealing. However, they do not think of it as we might. In their culture, the acquisition of goods by any means is seen as a just and righteous thing to do, just as long as it is taken from a rival tribe. This does not mean the victim will take the theft on the chin, though. 
hence the various disputes between tribes, but it is not seen as a heinous crime. In direct opposition to this, though, is theft within the tribe. This is an unforgivable offence, and swiftly and harshly dealt with. Anyway, fighting over resources often results in many deaths between rival tribes, and each death must be avenged, as must each subsequent death, leading to feuding without end. I uh, think you get the picture, eh? But it is not only codes of conduct, tradition and culture that the desert tribes honour, though. I found them deeply religious. But um, as to what or who they worship, and the practices and taboos they adhere to, varied so greatly, even amongst the same tribe, that I was quite confused by it all. Anyway, the nomadic inhabitants of the desert have always been there, since the time of ancient Nehekara. But after Arkan the Black's War of Death, their numbers exploded, as the destruction of Bel Aliad, Dakisir, and many other cities of the Great Desert produced refugees in ungodly numbers. Some found shelter in the surviving cities, but most were forced into becoming nomads. The tales of the torment wrought upon the living by the dead of that time are preserved in the collective memory of the nomadic tribes through saga and song, and as such, it is a wound that will never heal. So what are these tribes like, then? Albion, too, is a tribal society, you see. I wonder if it is uh, very different from that of my homeland. Ah, well, not so different, perhaps. For a start, there is a clear hierarchy within each of the nomadic tribes. At the top sits the sheik, the leader of the tribe. I'd wager that they're not so different than the clan lairds of Albion that you told us about earlier, Cedric. Och, I see. Anyway, the exact title varies from tribe to tribe, but each tribe, or clan within a tribe, invariably has a single central figure to lead them. The rank of sheik is also used by some of the armies of the cities of Araby to denote a powerful general in the army. But this is merely an adoption of the term, used to uh, coerce the wilder, less civilised underlings who've been press-ganged into service to follow orders by giving them someone to respect, fear and follow. The next most powerful person in each nomadic tribe is known as the Ani Mukta. This is typically the oldest woman in the tribe and the font of wisdom for all, as well as the personal advisor to the sheik. She is very important for preserving the accrued knowledge of the tribe through the years and, as such, is always heavily guarded by the finest of the tribe's warriors. Just below the sheik and the animukta are the up-and-coming of the warrior elite who are charged with keeping the tribe safe from day to day. From their ranks will rise a new sheik, and rivalry for glory and gain between these warriors is fierce, which in itself can lead tribes to war against others. 
The nomads of the desert were not always divided, though. In ancient times, there was something called an Alcazar, a sheik of sheiks, if you like, who was able to unite all of the tribes under his banner in times of need. This made them extremely powerful and fearsome adversaries. The last of these was Prince Shahid ben Alcazar, also known as the Red Fox, and Prince of Bagar, whom we briefly mentioned earlier. However, after perishing during the fight against Nagash, no one has managed to claim his title, although it was actually Jafar that has come the closest to this during his own rise to power. However, despite their divided status, the nomads remain masters of the dunes and can live in the deep desert for months on end, moving from oasis to oasis, either by desert horse or camel, and navigating by the stars as well as instinctively knowing how to avoid the worst that the desert can throw at them. The secret is the combination of rider and beast, between which a sacred bond exists. For nomads are born and will die in the saddle. They travel, sleep and hunt on their mounts. And in the latter respect, there are probably uh, no better marksmen in all the world. Aside from perhaps the men and women of Hockland. Ah, that's a province in the empire, by the way, Cedric. Ok, so is that a desert too then? Well, yeah, yeah. It is deserted in terms of culture. But uh, no, it is mostly forest. Oi, play nicely, Heinrich. No need to knock our countrymen in Hockland. They are descendants of the proud Terusan tribe and deserving of respect that their ways may look unsophisticated to those with a more cosmopolitan view of life in no way is a need to cast aspersions. You, as a well-travelled man, know better. We are all sons of the Empire. Apart from me, who is the son of Albion, and the Neophytes, who are sons and daughters of Tabara. All right, all right. No need for pedantry. I think my intent is clear. Vive la différence, as they say in Britonia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get the picture and I agree. It was just a bit of banter. Zoviso, please continue, Master Tavernkeeper. Oh, uh, thank you. I didn't mean to hammer the point so. I think the... Uh, Drink has added a little bit too much fuel to my fire. Forgive me. Let us, uh, indeed, crack on. Well, most nomadic tribes consider the horse a sacred animal. And rather than by personal combat, they are used to resolve disputes between individuals in the same tribe in the form of races through the desert. Familial blood is too precious a commodity to be spilled Unnecessarily. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. How fascinating. But, uh, and I'm uh, sorry to interrupt again, Master Tavernkeeper, but uh, I am still at a bit of a loss. We just spoke of Hockland, uh, the province in the Empire, I know, Master Alchemist, and uh, it got me thinking. I know the map of our homeland as well as I know the back of my hand, but uh, I'm afraid that I still do not have a clear picture of Araby in my head. Where exactly are these cities? And where exactly are these nomads? Ah, yes, of course. And that is a very fair comment. Well, 
Wait, Cock. I'm fairly sure there was a map of Araby in the back of the book that Ibn Jalaba gave me. It doesn't show which desert tribe controls which territory, but I think I can probably tell you a few from memory. Just a moment, just a moment. Ah, here we go. Let's get this open. Ah, here it is. Ah, Master Tavernkeeper, a slip of thin parchment just fell out from that page. Ah, so it did. To be honest, the book is filled with Ibn's notes, scribblings and whatnot. I probably should sort through them and throw some away. Most are uh, simply rough versions of text that appear in the final book, you see. Oh, yeah, well, not so interesting then. Here, let me get that for you. Here you are. Ah, thank you. Oh, but it seems to be blank. How strange. Perhaps it was simply a bookmark or something. Och, just a moment there, Septimus. I don't think it is, actually. There's something written on it, but it's, uh, it's hidden. Oh, really? I can't see anything. But, uh, I'll trust your seer sight any day of the week. Och, as well you should. I wouldn't be much of a truth sayer if I couldn't see the truth of things. And I think I know a trick that might just unlock its secrets. Here, grab that bottle of Iraq that you had earlier and uh, lightly soak the parchment in it. Oh, really? Um, well, all right. Right, here we go. By the God, Cedric, you're right. Arabic script is appearing. Oh, yeah, yeah, unglaublich. What, what does it say? Ah, just, just a moment. I'm a little rusty. Ah, 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 yes, I see, I see. It seems to be some notes on the various desert tribes. What an extraordinary piece of serendipity. As I, uh, oh, I implied earlier, this is not a subject that I am particularly knowledgeable about. I only really had dealings with the Tuareg whilst out in the desert and had no real contact with any others. Although the reputation of some did reach my ears. This should be most revealing to each and every one of us. Yeah, well, I'll just uh, clean my glasses and then we can get stuck in.